0: All right. want you open up to uh, Third John, and uh, Happy Reformation Day. So, not sure if you know what that is. I'll be honest; I didn't know what, what that was either. But the Lord brings it. You know, hey, you know, it's so beautiful. You know, when, when you walk in the things of the Lord, you know, and, and you interact with people of different backgrounds, you know. Um, you learn things. So, you know, I might bring to the table some of, like, the Jewish stuff, you know, the Jewish roots and Hebraic roots of the faith and interacting with some others. You kind of hear about some of the, uh, the other aspects of the family of the Lord, right? Things that I was not really, I mean, I was aware of historically, but not really aware of spiritually nor in a chronological date kind of thing. So, October 31st, 1517. We're going to get to that in a moment. But I need my notes, don't I? All right. So yeah, uh, 3 John, verse 11. And that's because there's only one chapter. So, All right. I really believe the Lord is, is doing something today, amen? And one of the things is my, my, my dad, who's here today, just uh, texted me out of the blue this morning. And guess what the only thing in the text... Guess what was just there? Not hello, not good morning. It was just three John eleven, and I was like, "Dad." Now he doesn't have Facebook, so he didn't see our Facebook post, which I think was this verse. So I'm like, "Whoa, something's going on," and it's a little bit of a random kind of verse in some ways. Um, so as I get myself set up, let's see here, Third John, right, chapter one, only chapter, verse eleven. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil. But what is good he who does good is of god but he who does evil has not seen god beloved do not imitate what is evil but what is good lord we come before you today we just come to you and say lord we want to be imitators of that which is good not that which is evil so holy spirit i pray right now to touch hearts Prepare our hearts, prepare us to receive your holy word today. In your name we pray, amen? All right. All right, so thinking about do not imitate evil. let's, Let's just talk today about a call for a new reformation, okay? So a little church history, a little history. October 31st, 1517, a guy by the name of Martin Luther, who is a German monk in the Catholic Church, is going to be like, yeah, we're not doing this anymore. He's going to go to a, a church, and he's going to nail into the door a piece of paper. And on that piece of paper are 95 things that he says needs to be reformed in the Catholic Church. Okay, More or less, keeping it simple. right? Some of those things, right? Uh, the Pope is not you know, speaking on behalf of God. Um, it is faith through grace and grace alone. Meaning you don't have to like do X, Y, Z prayers to get into heaven. It's by faith. Um, you know, no, no. You don't pay money to, to get your sins um, removed. And then some really in additional powerful things, right? Uh, the church mass, the church service should not be in Latin because no one knows what's being said. So how are we supposed to know what's being said? Uh, something very, very crazy, which it seems to be so simple now. But you know what? The Bible should be written in our own language so we can actually understand it, right? So prior to this, uh, in Europe at least, um, the Bible was only read and only could be published in Latin, right? So now you're like, you know, Luther's a German guy. Now you're a German boy or girl wanting to read the Bible. You can't because you can't understand Latin. And what it really is all about, it's all about power, right? It's like if you can't read the holy scriptures, then you must listen to the the clerics. You must listen to the authority, the religious authority, because you can't question because, one, you have no idea what they're saying in service, and two, you can't read the word of God, right? And so that's pretty powerful, Uh, and this is a very, very significant thing, and I think some of us, depending upon our background, almost probably all of our backgrounds, we don't really think about this day as a major moment, you know, like, oh, you know, whatever, you know. The Lord would have came through and I would have learned about the truth of the Lord whether this happened or not. Well, yeah, God is all powerful in that, but you have to understand the profound nature of 1517. Many of us outside of the Lord's grace doing it a different way would not be here. You you would not be in church right now, right? Um, This is what we call the Protestant Reformation, okay? Martin Luther protesting against the Catholic Church and essentially creating Protestantism, right? Now, I don't want to say creating it because obviously... The the teachings of the Lord, the true word, has been here for 2,000 years. But it was such a small group of people that it doesn't really get out into this moment. And so this is powerful, right? Very, very powerful that all of the 33,000 Protestant denominations would not be existing if this moment did not happen. And you would not be reading your Bible in English if it did not happen. And right now, I would be reading... The scriptures and preaching to you in Latin. Okay. All right. I was going to make a joke. I don't know if I should make a joke. And all of, I'm going to make it, and all of you probably would have like 12 kids because the Catholic Church preaches against birth control, so you all would have a whole bunch of kids as well. That was the joke. Okay. All right. All right, but here he is. This is more profound thing. This is what we really learned from this moment. Look, I'll be the first to admit, if you go really deep into the weeds of Martin Luther, he was not a saint. Towards the end of his life, he made some horrible, horrible statements, horrible statements, uh, particularly against Jewish people. So crazy and out of the norm that some people think he may have had a bacterial or virus uh, that actually started to corrupt his mind, okay? We talk about that at another point, but you know, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, Okay. All right, so really what are we learning? I really believe today, for today, a call for a new reformation, something that we learn on this day, October 31st, 1517, that there are times when even important things, including a church, um, needs some type of reform, needs some type of change, because things have gone astray or we have kind of not looked at things in the right way. There are times when you need to criticize the thing that you you love um, because you love it and that you believe that we have maybe gone away in certain things. And I believe the Lord has really planted this in my heart, that today there really needs to be a call in the body of Messiah across the world for really a new reformation, a new reform of how we are looking at things and doing things. And so I just want to throw this out there to you. There's going to be a lot of questions today that I may not answer. I want you to chew on. And it's this. Does there need to be some type of reformation, a major change, not a small change, A major change in your family's life, in your family's dynamic, how you guys do things. Does there need to be a major reform in your own personal, individual life? Does there need to be a reform in the big C church and also this little C church? Okay? Those are kind of the things that we're, 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 we're getting on here. And so what I believe the Lord is saying, particularly today, that there is a reformation that needs to take place on how we as a big C church engage culture. I think that's really the heartbeat of today. How do you and I and the church at large engage culture? I'm sure you guys kind of realize this, but the culture of the world uh, has completely infiltrated the church world. right? And, we, and we'll say, yeah, 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 and we'll, we'll give like these kind of like examples. And I'm not talking about the examples that you know. I'm not talking about the shallow things, I'm talking about, I I believe that the culture of the world has actually come in and has really infiltrated the underpinnings, the foundations to some of the ways in which we think, right? So, you know, a shallow level would be like, oh, well, the church serves coffee and has snacks just like the world does, or we play music with electricity like the world does. No, 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 I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about deeper things, deeper, deeper things. Um, we had a guy here uh, several times uh, by the name of Will Ford, an African-American gentleman. He tells his story. You guys, hopefully, you guys remember him. Powerful, powerful guy. But here's one of his quotes. He says, you cannot disciple a culture that has cultured you. So we have to evaluate how much of the world has cultured us, has taught us. And if it's teaching you a lot of things and it's cultured you, you've adopted a way of doing things, you're not going to be able to influence the culture that has already cultured you. Some examples here, Um, really two broad categories. The first one is uh, the church as an institution itself, right? Uh, We largely uh, have developed a church institution that's built off of a business model, okay? Uh, Many pastors get their MBA a master's of business administration and or they hire someone with an MBA to run the administration portions of the church, okay? Maybe not necessarily a bad thing, but if you're throwing some of the things that you're learning through a business model, it could very well be very, very bad. Because look, businesses have a goal. The church has a different goal, okay? And if you don't get that, if you don't get that principle, Right now, that church is up against the ropes and is changing everything that they believe. Uh, More of a church institution, right? It's got this kind of business model, and that is uh, you need to conserve what you have. Um, You need to conserve, you need to hold on to, and you need to make sure that uh, you are essentially building up an earthly kingdom, right? Your concern is, uh, well, not... Growing the body of Messiah. You're not concerned necessarily. You'll talk like that, but you're really concerned about building the body of Messiah in your building. And you want to grow your building, and you want to grow your personal flock. If that's your focus, and not the bigger thing of the kingdom, you're really just stealing from a a business mindset, right? I don't know if that makes sense or not, right? There's a difference between, look, you're sending Jamie out to seven different nations, right? Are seven different uh, cities opposed to like hey opposed to what do we need to do to ensure that we can get more people in this specific church so that we can grow this specific church and so that I no longer have to be bivocational right there's a completely different worldview, right look Acts 3 6 then Peter said silver and gold I do not have but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk Peter didn't just then say, after that, now, can you please come to my church? And if he doesn't have gold or silver, it means he doesn't. Peter doesn't have it. Right? If he had gold or silver, would Peter give it to the person? Of course he would. Peter doesn't have much gold or silver. Right? A conservation mindset. What can I hold on to? What can I keep? It's all business. Uh, business model, right? If we view production over relationship, these are really hard questions. Do you use each other? Right? Do you use your relationships with each other as a commodity, as a thing? Like, are you always going to someone to try to have them solve your problems, opposed to having a relationship with someone? See, we in the church do this, can do this all the time. I use my brother, I use my sister to get something. Something that I need emotionally, spiritually, et cetera, et cetera. Now, do we go to one another? Of course we do. We're supposed to. We need to, right? Bear the burdens of others and fulfill the law of Christ, right? But if we're looking at our relationships of what can this person give to me, hey, it's a business model, right? Do you use the church? Do you use God? God, I will pray to you. I will do these things so I can get X, If that has happened, you've entered into a commodification-based relationship. Does that make sense? Some other things, you know, kind of a jovial kind of thing. Numbers, numbers, you know, church, all about the numbers. You know, I have these meetings with people in our circle. And, like, the the first question they ask is, you know, how how, how long have you been pastoring? The second question they ask is, how many people are in the church? The third question they ask is, what's your annual revenue budget? How many disciples have you made? How many people's lives have been transformed? Nope. Okay. How much money do you make? How many people are in that building? And how much, yeah, that's pretty much, pretty much where it's at. Okay. Look, numbers. Like you, look, do you think Starbucks, you know Starbucks, right? I don't know if you guys have ever gone to a Starbucks recently, but uh, you know they, they don't use straws anymore, right? They don't use straws anymore. Uh, they use just a lid, right? Because there was, a, there was an outcry about straws and how it's like, destroying uh, the oceans and things like that. And I just want you to pause for a moment. Do you actually think that Starbucks as a company cares about the straws going into the ocean? Now, maybe they do, but I don't really think they do. They got rid of the straws because of why? Because that's what people were kind of vibing, and they were vibing that, and they know to keep business and to look good, what do they do? They switch from straws to lids. I don't know if they really care about straws because, all right, you get straws in the ocean, and now you just got plastic lids in the ocean, right? I I don't know if they really care about the environmental impacts. What do they care about? They care about the opinion and the perception of their clients. That's what they care about. That enters into the church all the time. If you are a church as an institution that cares about those things, I'm telling you, you will change things to accommodate culture. And if you change things to accommodate culture, not engage culture, but accommodate culture, you you, you need to be reformed. You're doing things off of the business model. Uh, There's a cultural impact based off of what's going on about changing things to accommodate culture that has infiltrated the church in yet another way. Uh, And that is dealing not with necessarily a church at large, but the individuals that comprise and make up the church. There are a lot of things that have been going on on earth. I think we all can testify to that. And I don't want to like bust your bubble or whatever and you know look we can agree to disagree but I'm telling you from someone who is in the trenches what I mean by in the trenches is I am a public high school teacher. I'm highly engaged in the public. I get to see what the future of America will be and I'm telling you that the concerns about COVID, the concerns about politics, the concerns about an LGBTQ narrative, all that kind of stuff I'm here to tell you is a distraction. And many of us get distracted by it. It's all smoke and mirrors. That is the farce, right? That's the change-up pitch. It's just a distraction because what's really going on at the under uh, underpinnings of all this, might have said the culture of the church being changed at the underpinnings is this. All of this is to create a culture, which is definitely entering into a lot of the church, of this, compliance through tolerance. This is what is happening in society. This is what's coming into the church at large, and they're using all of these narratives to be the thing that brings it, but the real mojo and the real energy is this, compliance, agreement with tolerance. I want to explain this. What is tolerance? Tolerance defined is disagreement, but being respectful. That is tolerance. In order to tolerate someone, that means that there is a disagreement. You have your opinion, I have my opinion, but I'm not going to be mean and evil to you. There's a respect that's there. Although there is, I disagree with you. That's not what's going on in our culture. We have redefined what tolerance is. Tolerance has become this. It's become sameness. This is what's happening at the underpinnings of cultural Christianity. A tolerance of sameness. Not disagreement, I disagree with you. It is wrong. It is sinful. But I'm going to respect you. To We need to comply to sameness. This is what needs to be reformed in the church. We are not to be same. We are supposed to be different, peculiar, strange people. The word says. A lot of churches are falling to that because they do not want to be weird. They don't want to be different. They don't want to be peculiar. They just want to be known for love. We're supposed to be known for love. We're also supposed to be known for being different. You can be different with love. Now, here's the thing, man, when you're going up against a culture that is happening in the United States today. Difference hurts. Being different hurts. Um, But the reason why it hurts is because difference has a job. The job of difference is that it exposes. Ephesians 5.13, the light has come to the earth. The light is within you to reveal the darkness. This is what's going on here. Why does the world want us to be the same? Because if there is no difference, there's no exposure. If they can make you and I and this church the same as everyone else, then no one is different, then no one is exposed. And the sin is not exposed. You see, if someone is different, there's a different option. If someone is different, there is a conflict of conscience. Wait a minute, why are they thinking differently? Maybe I don't have it right. But if we can fool you, if we can shame you into, you have to be the same and agree, not just be respectful, but agree. You get rid of the litmus test of exposure of what is right and wrong. This is very hard. This is very, very hard for you guys. It's hard for me. And let's be real, it's very, very hard for our children. We all usually want to yearn to be a part, excuse me, part of a group. We largely are yearning not to be weird. I mean, do you remember your teenage years? Come on, some of us, it's a long time ago. For some of us, it's not too long. You remember your teenage years? I mean, you want to be a part of your clique. You want to be a part of a group. There's something actually very natural about, like, wanting to be a part of a group. It just depends on which group, Right? So there is an energy and there's a spiritual energy that the enemy of our souls is looking to do. Make you feel bad that you're not a part of the group so you will comply through an inappropriate understanding of tolerance. Not disagreeing, but agreeing in sameness. This is the culture that has fallen on planet Earth and it has gone full throttle, full throttle in the church at large. A reformation. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Today, October 31st, is Reformation Day. But it's also Halloween. But it's also Reformation Day. It's Halloween, the uplifting of the dead, of the demonic, of witchcraft, of sorcery. Of sexual perversion, of Satan, and also a day of reformation. The question, the questions for you to ask today in your life are we just trying to blend in? Are we just trying to blend in, man, in every aspect of our life? Or do we engage the culture in difference, but engage them with the culture of the kingdom? And there might be no finer day to talk about this than today. I'm telling you right now, if we don't actively engage the earth with the kingdom of God and being a strange and peculiar different people, I'm here to tell you, if you don't actively do it, you will become passive. If you become passive, you will be slowly whittled down into compliance and tolerance. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. It is a guarantee. See, boundaries, right? Christians uh, have a tendency to make quite a bit of wiggle room. Quite a bit of a wiggle room uh, with boundaries with the world. We really do. We really, really do. You know, and, and it comes out of like, well, you know, I don't want to be seen as being legalistic. you know. And there's grace, and grace abounds. And it does. But just some interesting questions about boundaries with the world what the world says. Literally, like when does a movie become bad? Like think about it. At what point are you like, mm we shouldn't watch this movie." At what point are you like, mm we shouldn't have watched that movie." I mean, you just watch a movie, right? Come on, let's just be real here, right? You watch a movie and you're like, "Oh, this, this is profanity, this is sexual license. Uh, this was, you know, just a butt cheek. Or this was just a kiss between two people that are, that are, are already in a relationship with someone else. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's these little things. It's like, ah, I don't know. Ah. Right? Am I the only one? Am I I'm the only one? But it's rated PG-13. All right, it's rated PG-13. But you're sitting there and you're watching. You're like, this is, this is obviously not lifting up the values of the Lord. Ah, we don't want to be legalistic. There's grace, it's cool, it's fun, it's entertaining, and we all are in that vibe in some regard. But I don't know what the right answer is. Okay? I'm just raising it as a question. The boundaries. When does it become bad? When it gets a R R rating? When it gets a PG-13 rating? Or is it when it has a G rating, but there's an uplifting of a pagan god in it? guys ever see that one? Uplifting pagan gods? But it's rated G! I don't know. I'm just raising the question. I really don't know. At what point? You're like, well, this has no sex in it, but they're uplifting a pagan god. This one has sex in it, but there's not an uplifting of a pagan god. Like, what do we do? Huh? I like it. And I can, get up, I can get up here on a microphone and I can say that. But now i want to sit down and watch a movie. And I'm like, ugh. But I'm using this silly example, although it's not silly, to show something. We're not really that good with boundaries. Because we want to engage the world. But this is the problem. If you're engaging the world, make sure you're engaging it and you're impacting it, and it's not impacting. When does a friend? or a culture influence you more than you're influencing it. Um, The scriptures are pretty dang clear. But we have grace. The Jewish people were called to be completely, 100% set apart. I know we... As Christians, we look at the book of Leviticus and we're like, ah, there's grace, there's no legalism, blah, 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 this is anything. I'm with. You. I'm with you. I'm not saying that you have to now comply with Levitical law, but you have to understand the intent. This is not like a heavy burden so that we are all like, um, um, um. what are all these laws about? To be set apart. You don't eat certain food, Israel. But that's really crazy. Why? Because you're set apart. You wear certain clothes. Why? Because you're supposed to be set apart. You have different holidays. Why? Because you're meant to be set apart. And if we do all of these things, you really don't have any options because you're clearly set apart. I know a lot of times we look at the laws of the past and we're like, man, these are crazy, silly laws. I don't think they're so crazy. I don't think they're so silly. The concept here is you do all these things, so I am making you look and act completely peculiar. And if you're acting completely peculiar, you're not going to be tempted not to be peculiar because you're going to be already peculiar. Come on, go drive to Lakewood, New Jersey, 30 minutes from here. You drive down the road, you're like, these people are peculiar. Where the Orthodox are, the curls and the tzitziot and the suits and the this man, they're peculiar. They are. They are. Absolutely. Now, what did Jesus come and teach? See, so the Jewish people of the older covenant, they were set apart to such an extent that they were not to engage with the nations of the world. we are not, not supposed to engage with the Gentiles. Like, not, they're unclean. I mean, you know, in the New Testament, Jesus is talking like, you know, Peter's like, I don't know if I should, I, can, am I allowed to eat dinner with, with, with non-Jews? Like, they're, un, they're filthy, they're dirty. We're a set-apart holy priesthood. There's not many, like, even today, there's not many Jewish evangelists like, have you ever encountered an Orthodox Jewish evangelist that, like, knocks on your door and say, hey, I know you're not Jewish, but you should become Jewish? No. They're unclean. I'm not telling us to be that way, but there's something that, there is that we need to learn. It's this. Jesus has told us to engage the nations, engage the lost, engage them, but remain clean. Engage culture, but remain clean. Well, how do I remain clean? Boundaries. There are things you don't do. You do not imitate evil. You imitate good. What's the purpose, man? Right, the purpose in all this is to engage, as Jesus tells us to engage, is to engage and be light, and don't let the darkness come upon you. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. You engage the darkness as the light, and the darkness can't have a hold of you because of the power of the blood and the power of the Holy Ghost. But I'm telling you, man, engaging with the lost and being a light to them, I'm telling you right now, it's not just about being nice. It's about being respectful. But it's not about being nice. It's not about just playing along. You have to be different. You have to show that you're different. With love and respect. But you're different. Romans twelve two, Do not conform to the world. 3 John. Do not imitate evil. Right? But the line. So now the sensitive one. I'm not going to judge you. But this is the tough piece of being a pastor. This is not a fun job. Okay? It's not a fun job. If you're looking to be a pastor, the scripture says very clearly some of the warnings of what you have to get right. You're going to be judged. I'm going to be judged for everything that I teach. You're not. I am. Being a pastor is not fun. It's not. Here's a question. For you today... Is today, October 31st, 2021, is it Halloween? Or is it Reformation Day? Halloween's a great example. And I know it ruffles feathers. I haven't taught this in several years. and last time I taught it, I got a whole bunch of people upset and they left. The church is starting to get a little too big, so it may work for us. It's complicated. Originally, October 31st, comes from a holiday known as Samhain. It's a Celtic and Nordic holiday. It is repulsive. Okay. If you are interested in learning about the details, I have a printout that talks about the origins of a whole bunch of things. Like jack-o'-lanterns. It's just a pumpkin I cut holes in. Well, I mean, originally they would cut holes in it and they would make sacrifices, put blood inside of the pumpkin and light it on fire uh, as a sacrifice to uh, Satan. But it's just a jack-o'-lantern, okay? Witches, the demonic, trick or treat, as uh, Celtic druids would go on holy pilgrimage, they're walking to the satanic temples, they would knock on your door. If you gave them food, they would give you a blessing, a blessing from the demonic. If you wouldn't bless them, they would perform a trick on you and cast a spell upon you, okay? Uh, it's pretty heavy stuff, and I'm not going to use all my air time to get into the depths of the weeds. Yeah, I got the paper right there. I mean, this is historically true. It is completely insane and crazy. I know people personally who have been contacted by Wiccans and wizards and the occult. To come and have sexual orgies with them tonight. Not this year, but when they were younger. Like, this is the high, holiest day in the satanic church. Okay? It is. Now, what happened was uh, the Catholic Church, about the ninth century, as they expand, they, they're really good at this, the Catholics. What they do is they, they'll, they'll take the culture of the day and they'll uh, try to absorb it. So, for example, all due respect to those people who are coming from a Catholic background, there is no Halloween in America when there's a bunch of Protestants doing it. When Catholic immigration came to the United States, boom, this is where we get it. Okay, because it's from the Catholic Christian world, okay? They, they like to absorb things, and so what they'll do is they'll, they'll make, not today, but tomorrow, November 1st, All Saints Day, and that's actually what Halloween means, right? Hallowed Day for saints. And so what they'll do is anyone who is not canonized as a saint, tomorrow good Catholics will go and they'll pay homage to the dead. They'll pay homage to those people of faith who have died and they'll celebrate their lives and celebrate them. I don't know if that's necessarily bad actually. It's actually kind of nice. And so what was the Catholic Church trying to do? They're trying to redeem it. right? They're trying to redeem this holiday of October 31st But it's very interesting that on October 31st, Martin Luther also says that today is going to be a day that I am making a protest. I'm making a protest against a profane culture. Let's be real. Look at the holiday. Just be real. Clearly, there is an exaltation of evil. Clearly, there is an exaltation of the occult clearly there's an exaltation of demonic of satanism of witches of death i don't know how you get out of that here is the uh, other founder of the satanic church of america anton levy he declared that by dressing up either by wearing a costume or by coloring oneself in celebration of halloween signifies that you allow satan to own you he further said that when you adopt the pagan practices you subconsciously dedicate yourself to the devil that by dressing up, either by wearing a costume or coloring oneself for Halloween, is tantamount to worshiping the devil. That's what the founder of the satanic church in America said. Now, do I think that if you get dressed up on Halloween, that you're opening yourself up to the doors of the enemy? No, I don't. I don't think so. You know, your kids dressed up as like Minnie Mouse or something. I don't think the Satan is like, oh, I'm going to get in her now. That's not the point point is that someone in the satanic church is happy that even in a small way you've complied not in a big way but just in a small way and i'm happy if a satanic church leader is happy that christians are adopting these things wherever you fall on i think it's just probably a good time to just stop and say okay where are we what's going on okay Say this again. I don't think that you're opening yourself up to satanic influence if your child gets dressed up today. I don't think that. I'm using this to say that's what they believe. That should cause us to stop and like think a little bit. Okay? Now, here's the linchpin to it. Before you leave the church altogether, at least this church. But Dave, We can redeem October 31st. Amen. How? Will you? This is the cultural part. Can we redeem these horrible things? Yeah, you can redeem them. The question is, how will you redeem them? And will you actually do it? Or will you be like, eh, we're just gonna like, you know, live and let live, and not really cause a ruckus? I think this is the power of it. Look, here's a little bit of a sliding scale. Look, you can be completely absorbed on October 31st with these things of Halloween, right? What I mean completely absorbed, I mean like you are in it to win it, man. Like skeletons, witches, spiders, demonic, devils, all that kind of stuff. You're like, like I am not ashamed. I'm just gonna do it. Now it blows my mind away. I do see Christians that do that. I'm like, bro, sister, we got a problem here. We got a problem. You have your kid dressed up as a, a witch and as a demon. Like we got a little bit of problem here. Oh, it's just fun. We got a little bit of problem here. You are imitating what? Evil, like evil incarnate. You're imitating. There's something wrong. But here's the other side. You can be completely disengaged. I'm gonna hide in my little house, shut the lights off, and not give out any candy. That is, with all due respect, equally wrong. It's equally wrong. Maybe not equally, but it's wrong. You're choosing not to engage. Jesus has called you to engage culture, but not be impacted by culture. So there are two opposite sides of the spectrum here. And then, of course, trunk or treat. A lot of people like that. A lot of people like that. Look, I'm going to be honest. If, if we had the resources and the area would we do trunk or treat maybe I'm not giving you 100% yeah I would say maybe through prayer through understanding and by the Spirit we would have to see this is it I don't want you to get lost on this because this is probably where most of us are not with Halloween but with culture in general. Halloween is just being used as an example. It could be the movie. It could be the friend. It could be the food that you eat. It could be the thought that you have. It's all. I'm just using Halloween as a representation of this stuff. How much engagement do you allow the culture to impact you? Look, why do I say maybe would we do it if we had the resources? Because the question here is trunk or treat. What is the goal? Everything is about goal. Everything is about intent. What do you mean, Dave? Are you doing trunk or treat so you just blend in and you'll have an alternative without demonic things? And not one child that comes knows that you're different. Not one parent comes knows that this is a church that's taking a stand. You know what I'm saying. You just have the trunk or treat, the kids come. None of the costumes are allowed to be demonic, but you're getting all dressed up and all this stuff, and you're giving out candy, and instead of saying trick-or-treat, you say trunk-or-treat, and you do all this kind of stuff. If it's just that, I want nothing to do with it as a pastor of a church trying to create it. What do you mean why? It's no different! No one knows why the church is doing it. Now, if you have, and your children don't know, your children don't know, but if you do a trunk or treat, and it's clear, oh, it's clear that you're uplifting Jesus. It is clear that the gospel is going forth. It is clear that you have booths that are set aside to pray for people, and cast out demons, and preach repentance. That's a trunk or treat that I want to be a part of. But if it's trunk or treat, that's just like, oh, we're just going to have a nice casual time with people, and you know, just give an alternative for our children, um, and but not have any demonic, it's like, You're not different you just don't have a Satan mask on you gotta be different you got to use every opportunity to be different to show the world light to show them the power of the cross and the power of the resurrection that's what we're talking about here maybe a little bit difficult for people to, to process I think Jamie if you come on down I guess what I'm trying to say here is, whatever the cultural thing is, are we doing it just to kind of blend in, but then also allow our consciousness to feel a little bit better because we're not completely fully in? I don't think that's right. Or do we engage with the culture and make them see as a mirror the light of Christ? It's a big difference. Get what I'm saying? Hope I didn't offend too many people. If you're going to a trunk or treat today, praise the Lord if There is the uplifting of Christ, it's the uplifting of the gospel, the uplifting of the resurrection of the life of the Son of God. Amen. Awesome. If it's just chilling and inviting the community, I don't know if the community is really going to see that you're inherently different. And then this raises, you know, a complexity for me as a pastor of this church. Like we're doing this farm thing today. Well, one could say, oh, everyone's going to escape, they're going to go to a, a farm and all the kids of the church are going to get together, and you're not engaging. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe I'm calling myself out. Maybe. But if I look at it logically, right now how I feel is that we're not just escaping. Because what are we doing? One, there's an opportunity for our kids. What's the opportunity? You're able to be different and still have community. I know the kids at school are doing X, Y, and Z, but you know what? You have friends in the church. They're not just friends. They're brothers and sisters. And they think like you, and their parents think like you, and we all can come together as a community. I know, kid, it's hard to be different, but you know what makes being different easier? When you have brothers and sisters in a community. That is a powerful thing for a 10-year-old. That's being taught this evening. Two, there is engagement. What do you mean there is engagement? Come on, if you're a parent, all the time at work and in the neighborhood, what are your kids doing for Halloween? We're going to Trunk or Treat. Oh, I heard about that. That's really great. I don't do Halloween. Two different roads. I'm going to trunk or treat at my church, it's gonna be nice. I don't do Halloween. What do you mean you don't do Halloween? It's a question. Oh, every time, every year I deal with this. I deal with this every single year since I can remember as a child. I never celebrated it. And in school, and in elementary school, and in high school, and in college, and now as a parent, it's the same thing. I don't celebrate it. And always it's the same thing, why? I'm a follower of Christ, this holiday clearly uplifts the demonic. I am not to be of the world. I am separate and different. I love you, but I can't comply with that. And then the next thing, but your kids are going to be missing out. They're not going to be missing out. They have Jesus, but but they're not going to hang out with their friends. Dude, they're not going to be hanging out with their friends, they're going to be hanging out with brothers and sisters in Christ, a royal priesthood, a temple made not of stone, but of bodies. They don't have just friends, they have brothers and sisters in a community that uplifts righteousness. That's different than I'm just going to go to trunk or treat. That's different than, oh, we're going to do it, but we're not going to dress up a certain way. Is which one are you a witness in? Chunk or treat may not be bad if you're a witness. And hiding out and not engaging anything with Halloween can be bad as well if you're not a witness. The Reformation. This is going to sting, but like I said, it's my job. I believe this example of Halloween is telling a deeper story, a deeper story of the status of the Bride of Christ. I mean, you just, I was just thinking about it this morning, because I mean, these are heavy things I don't, like, I don't like teaching about this stuff. And I felt the Holy Spirit in worship just say, Dave, do you honestly think that during the book of Acts, the early church would have been like, yeah, let's go have some trick-or-treating? Do you think they would do that for the sake of their kids, so the kids could just blend in? I'm like, yeah, yeah they would. not they would go down the streets, and be like, "Yo, who needs prayer? Let me pray for you. Let me cast out a demon. Let me tell you about Jesus." There's no time or room to be playing these cultural games in the early church. Clearly, right? And I feel like the Lord is saying in this kind of Reformation Day. Today is a day that you know, 500 years ago, there is let's stop and let's reform the things of the church. Let's stop and reform culture's influence on the bride of Messiah. I feel like the Lord This may be a little stinging, but I felt like the Lord gave it to me, so I'm going to say it. Look, what is the Reformation? The Reformation, what I'm talking about, it's bigger than Halloween, it's this. We as a body of Messiah need to stop trying to change culture by sleeping in the same bed with it. You can't change someone because you're sleeping in the same bed. You're sleeping in the same bed with culture. Culture is going to impact you. you got to get out of that bed and you got to be like, no, I'm taking a stand. For me and my house shall serve the Lord. And that's not just with the Halloween. It's with everything we do, everything we do, everything we think, every action that we do. Are you different? Are you peculiar? Are you light in darkness? And i'm telling you that largely the church is sleeping in the bed of culture actually thinking that if they do they'll be able to persuade it no you won't (laughs) guys full circle how many churches how many ministries how many pastors how many brothers and sisters in Christ are now shifting their views and positions on things? I have never seen in one year, in my entire life, so many born again and even spirit-filled believers changing their positions on things, sacred things, premarital sex, being a homosexual, Engaging the loss just with love and not with, you know, we don't have to do conviction. And, you know, maybe there isn't really sin. And you just love. And if you just love, then love just wins. Like, there is so much that has been changing the last year and a half. This is not a coincidence. That is what happens when you sleep in the bed of culture. Because culture says just love one another, just be woke, be understanding, and all this And if you're not, then you're the aggressor. These people, man, that are changing complete theology, these people are completely changing things. What's the problem? They weren't trained properly. They weren't trained properly. They were trained, yes, they were trained in grace. Yes, they were trained in love. But they were not trained. They were not trained in boundary. They were not trained in a holy reformation. They were not trained that you're a strange peculiar people and you will be persecuted for my name's sake. They will bring you before kings and queens. And you will be killed on my account. They were not trained in that. Love, grace. Love, grace. Love, grace. That's all you need. It's not all you need. You need the power of the Holy Ghost that comes when you live a sanctified life before him. When you say, I am not sleeping the bed of the culture of man. I stand as a holy priesthood before my God. If you're not getting trained in that, guaranteed, guaranteed. It's not 99%, it's a 100% guarantee that slowly you will be whittled down. Come on, I'm not asking for a raise of hands. How many people we know who are part of churches that just suddenly have <sighs> changed so much? Yes, yes. Yes, being different hurts. It does. It hurts at times. But it also exposes. Look, I'm not just saying this because I'm saying this. I'm telling you, my parents here as a witness. Never have I gone out and engaged in these things on this day. I never have. Was that hard as a 10 year old explaining to another 10 year old that you are a born again believer in Christ Jesus and you are not to engage with this type of stuff? Yes, it was. Was I made fun of? Yes, I was. Of course I was. But Jesus says, Do you welcome that? Do you welcome the persecution? What does he say? If they persecute you, what kind, of, what kind of glory will you have in the kingdom? Glory when they come and persecute you. But they persecuted me. You see, guys, speaking of the culture of, of, of America, you were not saved. You were not saved to live a comfortable life. And your children were not saved to live a comfortable life. If you were saved to live a comfortable life, don't accept Christ. Become a humanist. You were saved not to live a comfortable life. You were saved to die and be resurrected into a new life. So I say to Naomi, I say to Eden, I say to Hannah the same thing that my parents said to me at that age. Today, son, today, daughter, it's a small thing. It's a small thing. But we're doing this so that you can be trained up for the big. Because what happens when they come to you and say, you can't meet as a body of believers? If you haven't been trained up to be peculiar and different, you never will be peculiar or different. You need to be trained. Before Goliath... There needs to be a lion and a bear. Matthew chapter 5, 11, closing. Let me stand. Look, I am... I don't know your heart, I don't know what's going on, but I have a responsibility as a pastor. Which is a really tough responsibility. And I am concerned about the Big C Church, that we are engaging culture in the wrong way. Using Halloween is an example of how down far into the road you go. But it is a broader picture of not really wanting to be different It's actually what we've been called into. I want to reiterate, you hiding out in your house and not engaging community is wrong. But the uplifting of the demonic in your life today, in your kid's life, is also equally wrong. A trunk or treat is a great viable option if it is clear to the community that this is not just a safe place to get food, but it's a place where on this day we're saying we want a reformation of your spirit. Because if it's not that, then we're just playing along. Playing along. Matthew chapter 5. Jesus speaking. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice! And be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. They're going to persecute me? Yeah. Great is your reward, the same reward as the prophets, for you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, right, if we don't know that you're actually salt, how shall it be seasoned? Lord, I pray, Lord God, a mercy to fall. That we would be strengthened by the Spirit. To say, I don't want to imitate evil. I want to imitate good. And I want to be a witness to my community today. And I want to be a witness to people tomorrow. I want to be a witness of the light for the rest of my life. And if that means being strange, if that means being different, Lord God, so let it be so. So let it be so. Father, I just pray right now that people would not get muddied or fogged over that Dave taught about Halloween. It's so much bigger than that. It is how much of culture are we just stepping into? Father, I pray that our, the Holy Spirit, which is right now, would just rise up. Would rise up inside of your bride. To turn away. Turn away from a false message of love, a false message of love, of just tolerate, be okay with it. Be same, Lord. Lord, that we would just look at that and say, I cannot eat of that fruit. I need to eat of the tree of life. Eat of it. Eat of it, and you no longer will be hungry. Father, strengthen a generation. Strengthen those little ones right now. Those little ones below us, look up. Strengthen them in this next generation. Could we ever have witnessed and understood that a generation of America would be so defiled and so impure? Protect them, Lord. Don't just protect them, make them David's, make them Deborah's. Lord, let them be a chosen generation. Let them be leaders in the classroom. Gird up their loins, oh God. Train them up in the ways of the things of the Lord. Because today it's a silly little thing. Oh, today it's a silly little thing. But then, but then, but then, but then then something else comes knocking, doesn't it? You see, today it's oh my gosh, can can they be different? But you know, in a couple years, and even just a couple years, lust is gonna come knocking on the door. Come on, even now, maybe, even now, there's a there's a there's an inappropriate image that pops up with the computer, and and Satan comes knocking on their heart. And when they're 17, 18, you know, the drugs becomes a temptation. And then they start dating someone that they really like and then sex before marriage becomes a temptation lord train them up now with the power of the holy ghost that it is okay to be different it's not just an okay it's a mandate by the holy ghost Lord, even today at the farm, I know we're going to be eating, and I know maybe not the most spiritual things may be happening, but Lord, Lord, I pray, I pray by your Holy Ghost that you show those little ones, you show them those little ones, that they're not alone. They're not alone. They have their Father in heaven, and they're not alone, but they have brothers and sisters. They're not alone. The Lord says he shall always save a remnant, a remnant that would not bow their knees to the prophets of Baal. Lord, let them see it in those little spirits in them, Lord God. Let them see. Let them see they have brothers. Let them see that they have sisters. That they could be a holy generation set apart from the things of the world. Father, give us parents the grace and the wisdom how to teach my little six-year-old that we uplift the name of Jesus. And we do not comply. We do not comply in any way to the things which are evil. For we are to be a light unto the world. Salt. Give the parents right now, give the parents wisdom. And grace and strength. (sighs) Come on, the same same grace, the same wisdom that was placed upon the nation of Israel when they're in bondage in Egypt. Come on, the same wisdom, the same grace was upon the nation of Israel when the Greeks and the Romans came. Just comply, just comply, just comply. Lord, I pray the same grace, and the same wisdom that was on the Maccabee family during the time of Hanukkah that says we will not comply. We will stand our righteousness of the living God. We will not bow down to an idol. We will not bow down to an idol. Whatever that idol is, we will not bow down. And if they take my life, they take my life. But I will be resurrected in heaven. Come on, come on, let that spirit fall. The same strength in the cloud of witnesses in the book of Hebrews. Let it arise inside of us to be a different, chosen, peculiar people that walk in love but walk with the conviction of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Come on, Father, I pray, I pray real tolerance. A difference but with love. A difference a difference of us but but, but we can love the other person. Not a tolerance that just says, yeah, that's okay. My Lord, Lord, the enemy, the enemy is all about all around me. Lord, the enemy, the enemy is all about me in this culture. They're surrounding your bride. They're trying to squeeze us in. They're trying to teach us, they're trying to instruct us. Lord, when I look all around me and I see my enemy, you say to look up to the hills from whence my help comes from. I look to the hills. I look to Zion. I look to the place of the crucifix. I look up and I say, Lord, help us by your blood. Help us by your spirit. The Lord, Adonai Sevaot, the Lord of Heaven's Armies. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord, Adonai Sevaot, the Lord of Heaven's Armies. Come, 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 come. The Lord of Heaven's Armies, come. Surround our children in Jesus' name. Fight off in the spirit the wards of the demonic. Fight off the words of the thought and the impure philosophies of the day and the age. Adonai, say thou, Lord of heaven's armies, surround our little ones right now in Jesus' name. Call them out. Call them out. Call them out from a generation. A generation like Jacob. bows now bows not unto an idol in all things in life come on a reformation day a reform a reform a reform a reform awaken us from our sleeping awaken us from our stupor lord awaken us and pull the covers off the bed pull the covers off the bed the bed of culture and the church sleeping in the same bed. Pull them off now. In Jesus' name.